Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a broadcast from the Global Authority in Mixed Martial Arts. The Shoe Dog Radio Network. Coming to you live on the Sure Dog Radio Network on the 19th anniversary of Ultimate Ultimate 96. Yes, 20 years ago today, two full decades ago, Don Fry triumphed over Gary Goodridge, Mark Hall, and Tank Abbott in Birmingham, Alabama. Shouts to the Predator, whose personal politics and worldviews I may not always agree with, but an MMA one of a kind and overcoming some serious health scares coming out of a medically induced coma recently. So, all the best to the Predator, one of the hardest men MMA has ever had, grace its cages on a day celebrating one of his all-time finest accomplishments, even if it only happened because he worked the fight with Mark Hall and Tank Abbott slipped on the ground. Oh, MMA. Happy Wednesday. My name is Jordan Breen. And as always, along with me behind the ones and twos, the tickler, the soup strainer, the push broom, the flavor saver on my upper lip to my Dawn Fry. It's Mr. TJ DeSantis. TJ, what's good, baby? That's the first uh, UFC video I ever rented. Really? Yep. Really? Is that is that Abbott Nelmark? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yes, it is. That's the first one. And uh, my buddy and I got that one because we were looking for like, Royal Rumble 92. Mm. And, of course, I didn't have it because, I mean, it's the, it's the Rumble 92. That's not going to be available on a Friday night. You know what I'm saying? Back in 2000, Different. that's not going to be available on a Friday night. And, uh, Hashtag laps. Exactly. And, uh, 
we decided we should get something that at least had Tank Abbott on it. Because, you know, we're going to get one of these fighting things. These these ultimate fighting things. And uh, Abbott was on the cover, I believe. And sure enough, Don Fry became my favorite fighter. While I always approved and appreciated the concept of the ultimate ultimate, man, they, when, when people think about tournaments going wrong, you typically turn your gaze to pride. Whether it's people falling out or not getting the matchups you wanted or Kazuo Misaki getting dunked on by Paulo Filo and coming back into the finals to beat Dennis Kang, whatever. Like, There's a lot of ways that tournaments get screwed up and people normally turn their gaze back to, to pride in those days. But I mean, do you do you remember like who was originally supposed to be in the Ultimate Ultimate 96 tournament? Was Ken Shamrock supposed to be in it or was he in it? Well, Shamrock's in it. And pull, so yeah. here's the deal. Did he get hurt and pulls out? Okay, so for, first of all, the big dude who didn't make the card at all was Coleman. Coleman was, I mean, he was coming off UFC 10 and 11 and had won both tournaments. Like, Coleman's supposed to be in this thing. On top of that, in the quarters, I mean, Ken Shamrock taps Brian Johnston, and Kimo beats the shit out of Paul Varlins, and both of them end up pulling out. I mean, that's, I mean, Nelmark and Mark Hall, that's the thing that, that makes those semis so hilarious is that, like, Nelmark ends up getting folded over himself like that. He's only in an alternate bout. He wasn't even actually supposed to be in the tournament. He was also in an alternate reality. <laughs> no no kidding. And speaking of alternate realities, Don Fry, who'd already fought Mark Hall, uh, Mark Hall, he beat the shit out of him, and Mark Hall just refused to bow down to him. Like, Fry, Don Fry's early bouts, the, the Amari Patesh fight and the Mark Hall fight. Yeah. Like, there's a reason Don Fry was the predator. He whooped ass in his first couple UFC fights. And not even just that he, like, he hurt people really badly. Like, he beat them down for extended periods of time. And then he has the rematch with Mark Hall in the semis. And he just knocks him over and taps over an Achilles lock in 20 seconds. What I, think even in, I think even in McCarthy's book, he says, like, I knew I was watching a fixed fight right in front of me and couldn't do anything. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Well, go out, work a fight in the semifinals, hope it keeps you fresh, and then uh, hope Tank slips and falls despite wearing wrestling shoes. Who really won that night? <laughs> Asics? <laughs> well, I mean, if, if he was wearing Asics brand, then probably not. I mean, Asics That's what I'm saying. I don't think they were Asics brand. <laughs> oh, I got to go back to Ultimate Ultimate 96 and uh, take a peek at the high tops that uh, the Tank Abbott was wearing. Also, um, speaking of anniversaries, um, obviously, you can chop it up kind of differently because of the time difference. But ultimately, December 7th, still the official date uh, three years ago of Mark Hunt and Antonio Bigfoot Silva, one of the one of the all-time great heavyweight mixed martial arts fights that we never would have expected in a million years to become a great heavyweight mixed martial arts fight. I was in uh, a Vancouver, B.C. hotel room with Jeff Sherwood <laughs> getting ready for World Series of Fighting. I believe uh, Georgie Karkanian fought Rick Glenn the next night. I just remember sitting on my couch in my very first Toronto apartment just trying to wrap my head around Rick what I was Glenn. watching. Why did I say Rick Glenn? Isn't that, I don't know. Isn't, isn't that a Rick Glenn? Who is Rick Glenn? That's not he a World used... Series guy. I'm thinking Lance Palmer. Yeah, no, well, but Rick Glenn is, he is a former World Series of Fighting guy. I mean, he's in the UFC who, now. Who got knocked out by Melvin Gillard real bad in the UFC? He also backfisted Nick Ertle to death on the show that 
Javi Vasquez fought uh, Rob Emerson on oh, the shooter. Oh, Who am I God. thinking of? Oh, oh he, looks my God. Like, he looks like Merle from Walking Dead. No, I know exactly. Rick Davis. Rick Davis. Yeah. The Flying Squirrel. Yeah, I don't know why. that I said Rick Glenn, and that's just who popped into my head. So I met Lance Palmer, said Rick Glenn, and was thinking of Rick Davis. Well, that's, I mean, that's what that's what happens when you, you do too much MMA for too long and your wires get crossed, I imagine. My brain. <laughs> Got the, MMA has broken the extra bone in your brain. It has, seriously. But anyway, remember when Danny came back like a week after Hunt and Silva and had like the Roots of Fight style t-shirt? Yes. Yes, I do. And I mean, to this day, there are things that have shocked me in MMA. There are fights that have exceeded my expectations. But for a fight that I, I mean, <laughs> there's a reason when they fought the second time, no one expected anything resembling the first fight. I, I can't think of a fight like that where it's like, if you had that fight a hundred times, you would get a lot of brawls between Bigfoot and Mark Hunt, but I don't know that you could ever replicate that particular one they had. I was legit going to ask you, they fought a second time? <laughs> See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, at least Antonio Bigfoot Silva can now make like a half million dollars to fly to Russia, beat the shit out of a guy, and still get screwed on the cards. Yeehaw. I was trying to think what tens and nines were in Russia. I was... <laughs> I was, I was Russian. How do you say ten nine? I, you're you're gonna have to look it up. I'm sure someone's gonna say it immediately now on Twitter. Actually, it's I, I don't know and I don't care. Um, I thought you were I thought you were pausing because we had uh, someone phoning in. You were having to multitask. No, on I that, wish. Give us a call. Yeah, on that tip, it's a regular old Wednesday here on the JBS on the SRN. So you know what's good. I want you to call me up and talk to me about mixed martial arts. Heal my soul. Or maybe, maybe scar my soul. Say something that'll get me uh, real irate, real upset. Spit some MMA truth at me. 844-743-7364 is still the number somehow. 844-SHIRDOG. That's 844-743-7364. You can always email me, jbreen at shirdog.com and ever accessible on Twitter at Jordan Breen. Uh, TJ, we were wrapping off air uh, about something before we came on and I said, no, save, save it, save it for the show because, you know, we're about to go on. We might as well not cut a conversation short that does involve MMA and people might be interested in. Plus, plug for the eternal homies. So tell me tell me what it was that you brought up. Uh, I pay $3 a month to listen to a podcast called The Outsiders. Make two of us. Uh, with Jeff Sherwood and Josh Gross. And uh, I mean, so far their show is full of old stories that I've heard a million, billion times on these airwaves, no less. But well, I mean, We've been we've been with these men for like a decade, you know. Yeah, but like, man, I just get all warm and fuzzy inside when I hear them. And uh, they were just talking about some of the decisions that they have made in the past and what it is like to sort of take a stand against Dana White and company and the repercussions that uh, they feel that they have faced in doing such. And uh, it's interesting. I forgot that Josh Gross was the editor of Fight Sport Magazine. Absolutely. And and, and, and then I... For Max Fighting, too. And then I just got really sad that there wasn't Fight Sport Magazine anymore. Because I uh, I had a subscription. I got my first copy for my birthday. It was awesome and amazing. And uh, I remember... I remember Fight Sport was like the reason I was stoked to see Babalu Sabral come back to the UFC. 
I'm trying to go to fightsport.com right now, and it also wow. appears to not exist anymore. Oh, man. Uh, oh, wait, maybe. No way. What The Wayback Machine will bring you way back. Oh, I know. And that's, know. Uh, that's so much fun. Uh, MMARanks.com. Do you remember that website? I certainly do. I remember uh, The Wayback Machine will bring you over there as well. And uh, the other day, Eve Edwards was in here talking about how he used to be the number one uh, lightweight in the world. And I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. MMA ranks? I pulled up MMA ranks number two. Well, MMA ranks, what I always think of with MMA ranks, and one of the reasons that I kind of smirked when you brought it up, was because I, I don't I don't think MMA ranks use an algorithm. I think it was just like whoever ran oh, the site ranked people. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like Fight Matrix where it's you know an impartial, hands-off, mathematical sort of thing. So you would just get these people – who had massive records and were highly ranked as a result. And the two I always think of, obviously, your girl, Kelly Cobalt. Yep. Who was just, like, number one in her weight class forever because she had this big, glossy record. And she was only and, number one because Roxanne Mataferi beat number one in Jen Howe. And most critically, seeing just, like, Jason Reinhardt, the best bantamweight in the world, with his massive, like, 50-0 and 0 record fighting bums in the Midwest. Yeah, I got, uh, I got Brandon Foxworth ranked on MMA ranks. And uh, the 145-pound class because he was he was undefeated or had one loss but had, like, nine guillotine chokes. That that was his thing up, up until Manny Tapia taught him his thing was just catching a whooping, I guess. Yeah. Well, a couple other people after that, too. But, you know, at least he got that Zufa paper. Man, that era of WEC as it was, like, kind of starting to, you know, um, after Zufa bought it, it was starting to crystallize. You couldn't even see really- it on TV at that point. No, I know. Um, but th- there were really some like wild beatings that happened that I totally forgot about. Case in point, like a week or two ago, I guess it'd be maybe two shows ago now. Oh, no, maybe, shit, maybe even last week. Um, we were talking about the, the Michael Chandler, Ben Henson, German suplex, and I brought yeah. up a variety of German suplexes, and I said that I thought Ivan Menjavar on Jared Palmer was the best. You know what I totally forgot about, which is extra crazy since obviously our affiliation with him? Who's that? Do you remember when Charlie Valencia threw Ian McCall like oh. 50 feet across the cage? Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't even hang on to him. Like he actually German overhead release suplexed him. Like like straight up Brock Lesnar shit. Yeah, it was the last German in the uh, sequence of Lesnar Germans. I mean, McCall's reaction to it is insane because he's clearly hurt, but mostly seems shocked that like four foot eight Charlie Valencia picked him up by the waist and threw him all the way across the cage. It's not like, you know, it's it's one thing when you see that like in a worked Dan Severn fight, but it's something else when you see it like for reals. Ian McCall's going to be here after you today for his uh, story time podcast. Yeah, there's a reason I'm bringing it up now. Yeah, maybe we can actually get a little crosstalk where he can uh, talk about that because I remember that and I remember seeing that fight for the first time. I think it was on Fight Pass. And like the look on Ian's face was like, did I just fly through the air? Like, how, yeah, I, it, how? why am I on this side of the cage now? Off the top of my head, there's not too many um, fight-ending sequences I can think of where the victim looks both hurt and also, like, shocked yeah. at the same time. And, like, just in awe of what is happening to them. And that's that would definitely be the one that stands out. And yet, I completely forgot this even happened. So, sh- shouts to whoever on Twitter um, brought up last week or the week before that— um, that I completely glossed over that, especially given our, our connection to Ian. Hey, uh, another thing real quick, because I just want to close up this MMARanks.com discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Eve was number two. Can you guess who the number one lightweight was in September of 2004? 
September 2004. According to MMARanks.com. Oh, Vitor Shaolin Hibero. Nice job. Nicely well, done. Well, the referee. I mean, yeah, <laughs> referee Vitor Shaolin Hibero. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he had a few more months until Tetsuya Kawajiri told him what was up at the 2004 year-end show. It's still one of my all-time favorite MMA shows. And also, I want to say Sherwood was there live for that. That wouldn't surprise me. That was his... Uh... That was his uh, uh, trans-Pacific uh, days, I guess you would say. What was, what was the full extent of that card? Because I know the other, obviously the headliners, the Tetsuya Kawajiri and uh, Vitor Shaolin rematch. That's also the night It's also the night that Kikuchi rematches uh, Jake Shields and beats him for the title. Let's see here. Shirog, year-end, show, Shudo, 2004. It's got the Hiroyuki Abe and Makoto Ishikawa brawl. I believe Megumi Fuji's on the undercard. Alessandra Franca Noguera, Choke no Tideki Kadawaki. Hey! Forgot about this. Gilbert Melendez's Shudo debut and de- and, and a Featherweight debut as well. Oh, no, excuse me. Is it No, it's his debut against Hiroyuki Takai, who was undefeated at the time. I know Shudo's got this affiliation with Fight Pass, but is that show on Fight Pass? Do they have anything like that? Um, they've gone back and added like old stuff for Pancrase incrementally. I don't know if they're planning on doing it for Shudo, but I mean, if they do, you know, that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spit in the face of someone who told me that like, you know, the read final 2000 or year end show two. well, year end 2002 is not as good. It is. It does have Nick Diaz on it though. Uh, but there's a host of Shudo shows that if people are like, that's my favorite. I wouldn't like complain, but. Well, can I get Lion Takeshi versus Cole Miller? Uh, what else is on that card? I know that's, I know that's a July 21st card. I know it's like Lion Takeshi's first thing after. I mostly just remember them falling over the ring all the time. Yeah. And, uh, Charles McCarthy cornering Cole Miller and yelling for X guard the entire time. Yeah. I, uh, see, I need some of that. I, I know that fight pass. I was talking to some of the fight pass guys. They own the extreme challenge library, which man, what oh, a great boy. library to have. Right. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I was like, man, you guys need to get this up. And they're like, yeah, we were encoding it. It's all on VHS. And the problem is, is like halfway through a lot of the events, it just switches to a Cubs game. <laughs> it's like the official tapes of Extreme Challenge were just like, like just recorded on someone's VCR. Bro, the Giants were in town, okay? <laughs> what? Don't care about Extreme Challenge 6. You're, so you're watching like a, a good old Dennis Reed fight, right? And after Dennis Reed gets tapped, it just now flips coming over to the plates. We've got uh, Sammy Sosa. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and, what? And, and, the, and then and then there's someone who's like 11 or 12. It's like, what? Sammy Sosa's black? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you only you know look at history books, why not? 844-743-7364 is the number. That's 844-743-7364. That's 844-SureDog, baby. Breen at SureDog.com's email address. Hook me up on Twitter, at Jordan Breen. Go to the phones, line four. It's Zombie Paul from Virginia Beach. Paul, what's good? You mean Sammy Sosa's black? Exactly. Exactly. Also, he's even lighter now. There's pictures that came out maybe like a week or so ago. Oh, boy, he's looking He's looking very pale. I got to say thank you for that text message, that tip for Ellenberger by KO first round. Uh... <laughs> By the way, not to, not to cut you off, Paul, but speaking of MMA history, TJ, I know it wasn't as bad. Ellen Berger basically got like part, like the front part of his toes caught in the, the gap in the cage. So it wasn't like when Aaron Brink got like his entire foot below the ankle stuck in the cage against Rich Franklin. Uh, what was 
was that a WEF card? Was that a Jamie Levine card? Or was that an Extreme Challenge card? I think that, that, I think right? that was a Jamie Levine card, yeah. I mean, someone got their foot stuck in a cage. You just assume it's probably like a Jamie Levine was card. That, was that was that WEF We Going Platinum? I don't. I don't think that's we going platinum. I think Franklin comes after the the seven and eight. The the stomp and the swamp and platinum cards are high watermarks. But I think PJ that Thompson comes just all frosty in his suit. Oh yeah, um, better I than his old Chip and Dale attire. I wasn't gonna place the bet, but you kept telling me like uh, maybe Ellenberger will lose, but the odds are just too tempting. You know what I mean? So I really appreciate that. Just pushing me. You know, I'm a. You know, I'm a compulsive gambler, so you just pushed me right over the edge there. You know, I really appreciate that. <laughs> you're, you're so but, well. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, he looked fantastic. I love how he came out He came out fast. I think Herb Dean kind of robbed him up a stoppage, came in, put his, like, put his body over top of him, and then still didn't stop it. What was that about? Uh, well, there's a, you know, kind of setting this up. David Bixenspan, the Two Scoops homie, twoscoopspod.com, at twoscoopspod on Twitter. Bixenspan wrote an op-ed for us three days before this happened, going back to the weekend before, talking about Herb Dean obviously being a great official, but Herb Dean's biggest problem is both like the inconsistency of finishes, like you just never know what you're going to get, whether it's a main event or an undercard fight, but also Herb... Like in an effort to be on top of things, the minute someone gets hit with anything, like Herb is in there physically, which sounds good, but there's like a weird anxiety that seems to go with the Herb, and that's how you get these fights um, where Herb accidentally touches someone or brushes them while they're like throwing on someone. You can point to like lots of people that have accidentally like put their hands on a fighter and screwed up. You know, we're not going to forget Eve Levine, Matt Brown, and Pete Sell anytime soon. But Herb, like his biggest downfall as a referee is he jumps in so fast sometimes and then tries to like jump out or accidentally touches the fighter. And it happens a lot. Hey, uh, just a little program note coming to the radio page at SureDog.com. It's time with Bruce Buffer featuring Herb Dean. Also to the radio page at SureDog.com, the Morning Wood Show with these nuts, uh, welterweight champ Tyron Woodley. And Dean Thomas chat with uh, Jorge, Mal- Jorge Masvidal. And not Jack and Carnosio, like, trying to sound like Jorge Masvidal. It's actually <laughs> Stripper bruises for everyone. Oh, that came up, by the way. Did it really? Uh, not not so much, but his love of uh, gentlemen's clubs did. Okay, I was going to say, did you just straight be like, hey, you know, George, do you remember the first time you were on here? And we're just like, hey, I love strippers. Apparently, no, <laughs> apparently... Uh, Friday night in Vegas, George couldn't sleep, so the night before his fight, he just went to the gentleman's club, like you do. Stayed out until like 4 a.m. That's how you calm down before the fight. Got to do what you got to do. But uh, I, th- I think Jordan you know, went to the club really, right now. <laughs> no, I'm right here. I, re- I really like the uh, Sarah McMahon performance over Alexis Davis. For me, like... Uh, I was I didn't see that happening because you know McMahon's so inconsistently underperformed recently, so I didn't see that she was going to tap out uh, Alexis Davis like that. And, uh, shout out to uh, Ronda Rousey. I was going to say she looked awesome the entire Ronda fight Rousey for for looking like she gave birth to a kid in her last <laughs> commercial, like Alexis Davis just did. Good lord, they look like they have the same body now. Post you well, shot of Ronda is scary. If you if you believe Ariel Hawani's tweets, she's 140 pounds right now and well fed despite being ooh, three weeks out from fight time. Oh, okay. 
I think uh, I'm kind of hoping that Amanda Nunes uh, goes berserker on her because uh, I'm not a, I'm not the biggest fan of Ronda and the whole like uh, it's just weird how everybody has to be like on eggshells with her and like when was the last time she did an interview with anybody in the MMA media? I don't know. I just uh, she's held to such a different standard. I don't like it. Well, I mean, that's that's the way this go in the sense that if you're if you're in a niche sport that has a native and indigenous media, but also a sport that offers you the chance to greatly transcend how typically niche that sport is, you end up with these impasses with people like Lesnar, McGregor. Uh, George St. Pierre, George St. Pierre would always kind of like find a way to do native MMA media when it suited him and and that kind of thing. But for the most part, you look at like McGregor now, Lesnar historically, Ronda. If you don't have to do media, you're probably not going to want to do it in the first place. And on top of that, there's probably something more comforting, too, if you're one of these people in doing a late night TV talk show or doing the view in the morning. Like they ain't going to hit you with the hard shit. You know what I mean? Rhonda's not going to sit down on some morning chat show designed for housebound 44 year old wives that are drinking white wine at 10 in the morning and get grilled with questions about Chris Cyborg. Like she's not going to sit that now and like next to Whoopi Goldberg on the view and have Whoopi like be like, you really think Travis Brown's a good guy? Like that shit ain't going to happen. So, uh, you know, why would they why would they want to do one more media two harder media media is actually going to hold their feet to the fire and three ultimately media is not going to benefit them necessarily in any way. The people who are trafficking MMA sites are going to buy into these people regardless. Someone like Ronda Rousey, it's like, I mean, what what the hell does it really matter to her if she ever gets interviewed by Ariel Hawani ever again? You saw where Cyborg said that uh, she's dealing with depression. Is that like a side effect of coming off of steroids or something? Is that like truly, is that like a genuine side effect of coming off of steroids? I was just like, it kind of hit me that that might be a possibility. Well, I, I'm not sure if you're, you're being glib or pretending not to be glib, but regardless, I mean, let's, let's say that you were taking some powerful hormones. I'm talking about powerful hormones. And someone who fights for a living gets hit in the head. There's all kinds of authors of depression, and that's not as though it's a ridiculous one. That said... Um, for all your Chris Cyborg related matters, not that not that there's an embargo on Chris Cyborg talk today. By all means, eight four four SureDog, let's talk about whatever. But up for you now on SureDog.com and the SureDog.com blog. Press row today with Damon Martin tackling all things Chris Cyborg and the hypothetical UFC women's hundred forty five pound division. I kind of I kind of feel like uh, Connor sees like uh, some real tough challengers, and he's like, okay, time for take a break and let these guys beat the crap out of each other, put some miles on each other. Like I don't like the uh, Khabib Ferguson fight, I don't like the Dillashaw Lineker fight, I don't like the Juliana Pena versus Valentina fight. I think these are all like title challengers in waiting, and they just need to wait for the title challenge. So we're just not supposed to have fights for these people? These people who are pro prize fighters are not allowed to get paid until they get their title shots? We need less fights in general. You know, look at this Friday night versus Saturday night card. I'm not going to disagree that we need less fights in general, but we're not talking about bottom feeders here. We need less fights in general that involve nobodies that you haven't heard of on an undercard. That's what we need less of. We don't need we don't need less Juliana Pena and Valentina Shevchenko. 
But it's like, uh, how many fights does Juliana Pena need to win in a row before she deserves the uh, shot? I think she's already deserved it. Oh, come on. If you, if... I'm serious. Uh, I, I think it's no, no. I, I'm serious too. Do you really think, given the nature of Nunez Rousey, I think it's fair to say we're probably not going to get like a close split decision or a majority draw or something like that. Someone's going to get finished. So, with that in mind, do you really think that the winner of Nunez Rousey, where we're at right now, isn't going to be fighting the winner of Shevchenko and Pena? Like, that's a de facto title eliminator, no questions asked. I agree. What, what, that what, what on earth could possibly I disrupt think- that? I think that's what's going to happen, but I'm saying I think that Julia and Apena could have just sat there cage side and then just said, okay, uh, Ronda, you just beat Nunez, so now I'm next, or Nunez, you just beat Ronda, so I'm next because look at my win streak, da 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 die, and why risk it against you? You know, Shevchenko uh, is kind of dangerous. Oh, absolutely, but that's that's why you fight him, you know? It's, if she just kept sitting there, who who knows how long it takes before she gets a fight, and again... These people fight to get paid, too. Obviously, we must respect the client to the title and trying to be smart and taking fights that advance your career in a smart way. But, I mean, it's as simple as she wants a title shot. She could gamble and sit on the sideline and piss the UFC off and make no money to do it. Or she could get paid, have a fight, and if she beats Valentina Shevchenko, no questions. She's number one with a bullet. She's fighting if Juliana Pena or vice versa. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko beats her. The winner of that fight on Fox, they're fighting against the winner of Nunez Rousey. I just can't imagine what would have to happen in order for that not to come to pass. I mean, look at Dillashaw, too. He beat a Sun Sal. Now he's got to fight Lineker. Who's he got to fight next? Uh, Caraway and Sterling on the same night to get to uh, Cruz, who he basically already beat you know, a year ago. I had Dillashaw over Cruz in January, too, so I'm not going to beef with that. But again, it's like, is is Garbrandt a uh, more proven commodity at 135 than Dillashaw? No. But at the same time, too, um, that's a situation where you get another sticky USC situation. And it would have been a totally appropriate time for an immediate rematch and run that back because of how close it was. You know, most people had it 48-47 one way or the other. But if they ran that back immediately, it's like, what happens if Dillashaw wins? Do you do like, and it's close. Do you do like a third fight then? The more, there are times where immediate rematches make a lot of sense, even in a pack division. Like look at 170. You know, your heart bleeds for Demi and Maya, but you understand why Woodley Thompson too would be next on deck. But I would say after several years of just, incessant rematches you look like and you look at dudes like frank edgar who like a four or five year cross section of their entire career comes against like three guys like he just spent he spent like three years of his whole career just fighting like bj penn ben henderson and and like uh who else did frank edgar fight multiple times Oh, great man. Same with Kane, like, same with Kane like, Velasquez. Look, I'm dude, not looking Kane for the Velasquez, rematch. holy smokes. He spent like a three-year period just fighting like Junior DeSantos and Antonio Silva. Bigfoot. That's yeah, yeah, like that's the kind not, of stuff that looking, we need less of. I'm not looking for the rematch, but I almost feel like like I was just talking about like Julian Pena and TJ. Like I feel like they should just sit there sideline and wait or fight somebody like seven through ten in the ranking. So it's like, okay, I beat the crap out of someone, I highlight reeled them. I'm ready to go versus being – I don't like the one and the twos fighting while the champion fights somebody else because it's like the one and the two should be kind of like kept in line. Like the two should fight 
a number eight or ten, and the one should fight a number seven or fifteen or twelve or something. That's how I feel. Where it's like let these guys showcase their way up to the title versus murder each other and put heavy, heavy miles on each other up to up to the title. I think it always depends on your division. This particular instance, this particular case, it'd be nice to have two, def- you know, two contenders lined up in a row. But the fact of the matter is, Valentina Shevchenko, she's 28. Juliana Pena, she's 27. The loser of this fight is not going to die. And frankly, given the climate at 135, Misha Tate's gone. Raquel Pennington's developing, but is still not as good as either of these two women. Um, Ronda Rousey might retire fully if she loses. Um, knowing where we're at, at the top of this division at 135 right now, it's hard for me to believe that, I I do believe that regardless of who wins at UFC on Fox 21, Valentina Shevchenko and Juliana Pena are both going to end up fighting for a women's bantamweight title before very long. So rest your pretty head uh, safely in the grave, Zombie Paul. Not not to make it crazy against you or anything, or to make it you know like a difficult. But how old is Misha? She's retiring. I think she's 29, and you just said uh, Pena's 27, and the other girl's 28. So Ronda's what 29, 30. She's retiring. So it's, it's, women don't last as long, and they want to have families eventually. And I think the weight cuts and the abuse really uh, beats them up because a guy can pump out kids regardless, but a woman, you know, it takes a lot out of her body. Yep, I agree 100%. You never know. Uh, women's MMA, women's fighting, women's athletics is always going to, to be a serious part of it. You know, someone wants to have a baby, he ain't going to be fighting with it. No question. But I would say that Valentina Shevchenko and Juliana Pena are kind of cut from a different cloth. Valentina Shevchenko... She's from like Kyrgyzstan, spent time living in Peru. She's hanging out in places where coaches are getting shot at and shit. She's from a world of hard scrabble type shit. Her whole life has been fighting. Likewise, Juliana Pena might not have a big lossy record, but I don't think that I have to say too much for any of you that know shit about her to kind of point out the fact that uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't want Juliana Pena like renting you a car at like Enterprise. You know what I mean? She's made to fight in a cage. Not that, not oh, that yeah. Ronda she's, Rousey, not that Ronda Rousey or Misha Latina Tate were unsuited. Instability about her. Yeah, it's not that Ronda Rousey or Misha Tate or whoever unsuited for MMA. That's obviously not true. But Juliana Pena and Valentina Shevchenko are two women that this sport very much suits them. I think. No, you're right about that. They're definitely true fighters. But uh, I guess I'll let the next caller come in. And uh, thanks for taking my calls this time, guys. Appreciate it as always, Paul. 844-SHIRDOG is the number. It's 844-743-7364. It's 844-743-7364. jbreen at SureDog.com is the email address. And you can get me on Twitter at Jordan Breen. Lines wide open. Get at me. 844-743-7364. Also, TJ, just since I saw you uh, put it up on uh, Twitter the other day, are you are you really that excited? I already counting down to Invicta 21. Yeah, I mean, a lot of talk about the featherweight division. Uh, Invicta has helped author the future of a variety of divisions in women's mixed martial arts. And uh, I think you're going to see 2017 uh, at least start with a lot of focus on the featherweight division and trying to build the future. And also going back to previous shows, shout out to the Missouri Office of Athletics. Even if they continually year after year put Mike England in the ring over and over for amateur and pro MMA and kickboxing, and that's a thing that should stop. 
Shouts to the Missouri Office of Athletics taking one look at what happened, seeing the public outcry, noticing that it is not against the rules to put your foot on your opponent's face at any time, whether or not you're defending an armbar, and rectifying the situation, even if it, it, uh, you know, your heart kind of goes out to Yana Kudinskaya since she had the biggest win of her career taken away in a fashion that it didn't have anything to do with her. You know, she she did everything right and kind of got robbed by shitty refereeing. But even if that's the situation we end up with, nice to see Missouri do the kind of thing that most athletic commissions just can't pull the trigger on. I, uh, I'm going to interview. Or don't Sh- want to pull the trigger on. I'm going to interview Shannon Knapp this week. And uh, I'm curious if she's going to try and get that belt back, like the actual physical title back, like belt. <laughs> well, I mean. I'd be like, is- I forgot it in Russia, man. Sorry. <laughs> Just, just do the, just do the Conor McGregor. Yeah, like, sorry, I don't, I didn't, I didn't bring it with. You want it back? P- pretty sure, pretty sure that my hand got raised that night. Of course, this would all be said, uh, you know, uh, in private. How much? How do you, do you have any idea how much the Invicta title costs? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's like eighteen hundred dollars a belt. What like what is like I'm not I need to get up. Who's the dude that does all the belts? You know the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, well he's guy. in Kansas City. I think it's like Cool Cats or something like that. It's something, it's something Cats I think. And now maybe I'm just thinking of Battle Cat Cindy Danois. I don't know, but who makes WWE belts? Kansas City. It's in Kansas City. So type that. Dave Mil- Dave Milliken, the Ace of Belts. Uh, that's that's not that's not where Invictus Belt is made. Invicta- no, 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 I'm not saying I'm not saying Invicta. I'm not saying Invicta's belts made by him. What I'm yeah. saying is, I want to know how much that dude's belts are. Like oh, on the right. Sure, but uh, the Invicta belt is made by the same guy that made the WWE's U.S. title belt. Okay. So, like so, the guy that's made the Invicta belt has actually made a lot of uh, championship belts that you've seen. Um, I gotta know what it's what it's called. Here, I'm curious now. I'm now on DaveMillikanBelts.com. Oh, looking, your day could be ruined there. You'll just look at everything. Prices and frequently asked questions. Okay. The price for any regular size five-plate belt gold-plated is $1,175. Maybe okay, so maybe it was $1,200, not $800. It's something like that. If it, you want... Go ahead. I, I'm going to say it's enough for you to be like, yeah... I know that you won that night, but they overturned it, and I think we need to get that belt back. Okay, so this kind of goes on an a la carte kind of thing. You got like your standard, you got your standard uh, gold-plated five-panel belts, and then bells and whistles all appear to be more. The site says, if you want to get the real WWF block logo, by the way, it's WWE now, pal, uh, you'll be charged 2600 for the fully loaded intercontinental belt. The winged eagle design, famous of the World Heavyweight Championship of the World Wrestling Federation slash entertainment from 88 to, uh, I don't know, when did they change that? When did they get rid of the winged eagle? 98? Uh, 97, 98. Uh, all right, so it lasted about 10 years. The winged eagle, 2,600 bucks, fully loaded. I like. I, I love how they I love how they even sell uh, title belts like cars. 2,600, fully loaded. Extras, um, apparently like little side panels with names on them, a hundred bucks. Uh, the gold tip on the very end of the belt is a is an extra hundred and thirty. Wow, the details. Yeah, seriously. Um, although, if you want a nickel plated five plater, a la the NWA World Television title from the eighties, 
less than eleven hundred bucks. Wildcat belts. Wildcat belts. Is there like a whole website? Yeah, and they made uh, they made a lot of belts. All right, Wildcat Championship belts. Let's see what we got. Well, the, wildcatbelts.com. Yeah, um, this website is definitely Hunt's Tomato Ketchup. And a what belt? The hell yeah, apparently. I just saw one belt that said Rice Energy. Apparently, they do a lot of food-related stuff. Belt galleries. Um, corporate trophy belts. This is this is what I want. Who have they made belts for? Um, so, the Rocks Rock the Promo Championship belt is on the top. But we... <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Please go to the Corporate Award Belt Gallery at wildcatbelts.com. All right, corporate trophy belts. Just like tell me, tell me what one is is your favorite here? We got we got a lot. Like by look, um, by concept look. What? Like, what oh my god! <laughs> like well, Am- Amazon customer service championships pretty great. Oh um, oh oh oh! Is this what you're talking about? The Corn King Cornhole Championship. That was just one that caught my eye. It doesn't say Cornhole Championship on it, but it does say Corn King, and it does have a giant corn on the cob in the middle of it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. There's a there's one coming up. Um, The Jerky Boys Prank Calling Championship. Please look at the actual panels on the Jerky Boys title. Jerky Boys. And like, look at the look at the side panels with like with all the raised text. Oh yeah, look at that. That's, that's gonna be an. Ex- I, mean, I know it's only three panels, but like that's still gotta be an expensive ass belt. How do I get a title? For, how does Herman get involved in the Jerky Boys <laughs> prank calling championship? That's a good, good question. I mean, like I don't know. I don't know where you stack up internationally, globally in terms of uh, great prank callers, but oh, I just want to try to get that belt. But what I'm saying is maybe you're good enough to actually, like, get in the serious running. Well, maybe I'm good enough to get on a reality show, win that, and then just get an immediate title fight. Walk the out with major, 100 grand, maybe. The Major League Baseball Arbitration Championship? If you need an arbitrator, I think you've already lost. The uh, Kansas City Scion Dealership Championship? <laughs> Both. The Vans Pool Party Skateboarding Championship, as well as the Vans Off the Wall Tour Manager Championship. Also, very weird, dude. Go down and click on the Vans Off the Wall Tour or Off the Wall Tour Manager Championship, and look at the. I guess you can't say product placement. Look at the advertising in the middle of it. Uh, Vans oh, Off the Wall. Sorry, I clicked the wrong one. Oh my gosh! Really. Yeah, true orange. I got a feeling that I've got a feeling that is actually supposed to be a truth thing, and Vans is the sponsor. Okay, that's how it looks to me. Okay, that's that's fine. Be that as it may, why does truth? I mean, it says tour manager, and and okay, so uh, how is truth? How is Truth getting hooked up with Vans? If you're unaware, Truth, if you've never seen the logo, it's all lowercase and like dotted. It's an orange. And they're basically like an anti-smoking lobby. Right. Like, <laughs> have you have you ever like hung out with like skateboarders and people in rock bands and shit? They like cigarettes. Uh, like, boy, do what? they. Like, what is, what is this title? It's got bananas on the side. Like, what is this belt? I don't know. 
What is the magazine jerk of the month belt? That's a WWE belt. That must be an inside thing. The 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 Mickey James Dr Pepper one of a kind championship. I'm in the wrestling belts now. Oh, Rock Paper Skittles World Championship. What is Rock Paper Skittles? I don't know. The belt is actually kind of interesting looking. Let me look up Rock Paper Skittles. I mean, I get that it's obviously some kind of advertisement for Skittles. Here we go. Gamification 101. Rock Paper Skittles. Um, in order to promote... Oh, it's an online game? Yeah. It appears to be an online game of some kind. Uh, oh, yeah. It's weird. It's like... It, it is like... um, It's like a Rock Paper Scissors game, but they've given... The colored Skittles, the like orange beats green and yellow, red beats orange and purple. This seems like it would melt my brain. How would you play this? Like you you grab a piece of candy and then lay it down on the table at the same time? Apparently there was a flash version too, and they they wanted people to do it in person. How bored Uh, are you? Like how bored do you have to get before that is something? World Taxi Driving Championship. What? Wait, Pillow Fight League Championship belt? What? 7-Eleven Sales Championship? Like, these things just get better. World Beignet Eating Championship belt. First of all, I might be able to win that. Toronto Wing Fest Championship? The Waffle House World Championship. What on earth is the Waffle House World Championship? I don't know. I mean, what? again, if you're in a Waffle House, depending on time of day, you've already lost. Well, I mean, I've been to—I I, kind of like Waffle Houses, like really. Like, you're like 4 a.m. and you just get like strippers coming off work and just blowing. No, no money. that's fine. That's that's the time of day that it's acceptable. I'm talking about like if you're eating lunch and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon, you lost. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. Also, you won't believe this. Not only does the Waffle House title actually look really good, um, world eating champ or waffle eating champion of the world. Um, how, how's your waffle eating game, TJ? Oh, uh, like any required toppings? Because that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever whatever you want on your waffle. So it doesn't matter what. Like, okay, are we eating it for speed or volume? Well, I mean, in the context of this, uh, kind of like a combination of both, I guess. Okay. Um, ah, but you also got to do it quickly. Pretty on point. Uh, if I need any sort of, I'm not a big maple syrup guy. Like, I like maple syrup. I love the taste of maple syrup. Despite my uh, pear shape, not a huge fan of sugar. Okay. So, like, extra sugar, really not needed. Uh, I think in, in where I want to get some some speed... I think I would maybe put some whipped cream on it. As long yeah, as it's I'll, a light whip, like a cool whip. A yeah, cool yeah. whip. Cool whip. Also, if you know, using cheaper cream like that, you get like the oil and stuff like that, which may not feel good in your mouth, but would probably like lubricate your mouth and throat to a point where it'd be easier just to cram waffles in it like a professional. Right. Uh, I'm pretty good at, and that's the thing too. Like, are we talking gigantic Belgian waffles? Belgian waffles, or are we rocking, like... Well, Waffle House waffles. Okay, well, I don't know if... I, believe it or not, I don't know if I've ever had a waffle from the Waffle House. Yeah, it doesn't. that doesn't make you a bad person, don't worry. 
the only time I've ever eaten at Waffle House is with Dave Mandel when it's like, shit, I guess we're eating Waffle House. I guess it's late. Um, also, I'm looking at the World Beignet Eating Championship. I don't even know what beignet means. Uh, they're like, like little, little, little donuts. Little, little New Orleans donuts. Beignet just means donut in French. All right. But on the side of the belt on the panels, they have fleur-de-lis. Very, very nice, classy touch for, for a New Orleans-related thing. Yeah, the, the Chesapeake champion, or the Chesapeake Division 7-Eleven championship belt. Wow. And the Pillow Fight League. I might have to Google this in a second. Like, what? There's a league? Oh, the... Okay. I... Okay, I'm. I'll, this I'm just gonna send you this one, TJ. Last thing before we slip into a break here. Look at the, look at this belt and tell me what you see. Now this is this is the World Taxi Driving Championship. Apparently, this takes place in Baltimore. Be that as it may, tell me what you what what stands out to you about this belt. World Taxi. I'm trying to find it on here. Sorry. I I just sent you a link in Skype. Oh, I got it. Um. World taxi. Like, like, is there something kind of unusual about this belt that you like don't really see on too many other similar belts? Um, well, there's the flags. Yeah. So, what about them? You see an American flag, TJ? Yes. Oh, okay. But I mean, on the side panels, like there's. Oh no, the not on the side panels. No. They have the American flag and the uh, the state flag of Maryland in the middle, but right. on the side panels, dude. Pakistan, yeah, Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya. They put the side panels like they're they're all the countries that immigrant taxi drivers come from. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> what? I don't that's a that's an interesting choice. <laughs> oh boy. You know, TJ, when when I found out that that Wildcat Belts was a different guy from Dave Milliken, I wasn't necessarily excited about what I was gonna find. But holy smokes! Did you uh, did you look at the uh, the modern wrestling belts? You got a lot of modern wrestling belts currently in circulation. Wow, TJ, why, why why would I care about a modern wrestling belt when there's like a vaguely racist world taxi driving championship out here? Why don't you just go along with me when I'm trying <laughs> to steer the ship away from this? <laughs> All right, I will I will dig into the the modern wrestling belts, but first. It is break time. We got ooh, 35 minutes left. Ring me up on the telephone, 844-743-7364. That's 844-743-7364 or 844-SureDog if you're dumb. jbreen at SureDog.com is the email address. You can get me on Twitter, at Jordan Breen. If you want to stop me and TJ live looking at the fine belts of your homie, Wildcat, well, then you're going to have to ring in 844-SureDog, 844-743-7364. More JBS on the other side right here on SRN. Stay close. Would you look at that? It is the month of December, and it's prediction time in the SureDog Radio Network. But you know what? We're just not live all the time like we used to be. So, check this out. SureDogRadioPredictions at gmail.com. That's right. For the first time ever in the year-end prediction contest, you can actually submit your prediction via email. SureDogPredictions. No, no. SureDogRadioPredictions at gmail.com. SureDogRadioPredictions at gmail.com. Tweet, tweet. 
Follow the Sure Dog Radio Network on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Sure Dog Radio. And for me, Zach Jordan Breen, at sign J-O-R-D-A-N-B-R-E-E-N. You'll want to email me, jbreen at suredog.com. More importantly, you got 27 minutes left to phone into the JBS on the SRN on a lovely Wednesday. 844-SURE-DOG's the number. 844-743-7364. Go back up to the phones, line one. It's Brandon from Atlanta. Brandon, what's up? All right. So, TJ, would you say I'm a loyal listener to the SureDog Radio Network? Uh, you've stood in this room, so I would say yes. Yes. Uh, I'd like to think more acquaintances we've met. Uh, would you say I'm a person who has a shit together? Yes. So... I, You're a little I've, strange, Brandon, I'll be honest. You're a little strange. All right. That's fine. So, I was listening to, I was at my desk working, and I was listening to Jordan Breen's show, and I heard something that upset me a little bit. Brandon from Jersey. No, that guy's a moron, will always be a moron. I don't know why you put up with this crap. So, we just love people named that Brandon. As a, what was that? I said we just love people named Brandon. It's our weakness. Oh, Me be, and TJ both. Be that, be that as it may, the city of Atlanta is known for four things. Delta, Coca-Cola, Chick-fil-A, and a little-known restaurant called Waffle House. Take that, CNN. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that's all Atlanta's known for. Well, the, Again, take the that, CNN. Yeah, I, mean, I, think well, I, I, th- I think you're leaving out um, – and, like – I'm not even just saying this as a joke. Like, part of me is joking because, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But, like, like real, dude, Atlanta's the on-the-DL city. Yeah. If you're, hey. if, you're an, if you're an affluent black gay man in America, you probably live in ATL. Also, take that seven dust. <laughs> also, I hey, seven I, dust. I, had no idea, I had no idea seven dust were from Atlanta. But in terms of, like, non-offensive new metal bands, they're way up there. Oh, I don't listen to new metal, so I don't know who Seven Dust is. But I am somebody who has a Waffle House a block away from his office, and I go there for lunch all the time. And to state that people who eat there, except at four o'clock in the morning, don't have their shit together, that is a complete misnomer. Well, well, let me, let me let me let me respond. Uh, I'll easily respond. What did I say? I said. If you're eating lunch at Waffle House, you lose, right? You've already lost. He didn't say you didn't have your shit together. He just said you lost. Yeah, you lost. Also, uh, if you're at work and and you're you know your last resort is to eat Waffle House on a Monday afternoon, dude, you lost. Sorry. On the oh, other hand, man. though, I, I will say that like depending, look, because the thing is, it's not like Waffle House, and maybe they vary based on where you go for your Waffle House. Because I think I've only ever been to Waffle Houses. I've been to one in uh, Tennessee, and I've been to one in Colorado. And it's it's like, I appreciate the seven dust, by the way. Um, if you really like toasted sandwiches and hash browns, well, I mean, maybe, maybe you go every day. Well, I just, I just want to defend something that is near and dear to my heart that I have never had a bad meal there. And uh, I, I, I'm, while I was waiting, while you guys were on break, I'll go ahead and give you a year in prediction. My year in prediction is this. TJ DeSantis will call a UFC fight pass card sometime in 2017. You guys have a nice day. 
Well, I, I, call, I am calling a UFC Fight Pass card. He means a UFC card. Oh, got it. No. Hey, don't, <laughs> don't take my chance away to plug Invicta FC 21, okay? Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, pretend I didn't say anything. Thank you. Nah. Invicta FC 21. Uh, Brandon's uh, prediction comes true on January 14th. Winner. Would you be, I mean... <sighs> Hang on, the hook. I don't, I don't feel comfortable calling Seven Dust New Metal. They're a new metal band, dude. Really? Yeah, of course. What What is new metal about them? Besides coming out and touring with like Cold Chamber. I mean, I would I would say like the the general style of guitar work. Lejean Witherspoon is his vocals are more sort of ranged, but like there's tons of songs where he does rap flows and stuff. Not really. Dude, the best, the best Seven Death song is Enemy, and the entire thing is like a rap flow. Step up to me, step up to me, if you want to be, you want to, yeah, kind of. When I think, kind of, kind of. When I think of, let me play some new metal for you. Let me, let me play a, a song that this, I firmly believe is new metal. This is, but okay, but here's the thing, You're like, it's a, like, all music's a spectrum, you know what I mean? It's like, if someone, if someone's like talking about folk music. Hang on, like, we gotta get louder for a second. All right, there you go. If you were talking about like folk music or something like that, it's like, you know. Hang on, wait for the post. Reveille, you remember the song? Yes. Is this is this the Ken Shamrock one? Uh, nah, that was what you got. This song is called oh, Permanent oh. on the SRN. Okay. Oh dang it! This is like an extended version. This isn't like the uh, the. Uh, can I can I hear? Can, why go. are you not playing the Ken Shamrock one? Uh, because, ah, oh, man, that is a much better new metal Play. example anyway. We talked about Ultimate Ultimate 96 earlier today. Uh, I mean, because the reason I'm not playing What You Got, What You Got, What You Got coming is uh, it's just not even, like, comical how bad that song is. I, I disagree entirely when the dude's like, What You Got, What You Got? Dude, he sounds like Fred Durst. It's hilarious. He really does. Um, I'm, about take, I'm about to take a phone call. What's going to happen is when I'm done with it, we're going to listen to What You Got by Reveille in honor of Ken Shamrock. I can play it right now. I've got it. Well, I'm, you know, maybe you it might be a little too much all at once if we do two songs back to back. All right. You want to, you like, tease it out? I get it. Uh, <laughs> uh, line four, it's LeVon from New Jersey. Thank God. I got you, listeners. You don't have to listen to that whole. What's on your mind, dude? Horrible, man. What? I said I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. It's okay. You always play horrible music, though, so it's it's kind of like a, we're used to it. It's all good. What's in your mind? Not much, man. I'm just chilling. I'm excited for this Holloway Pettis fight, though nobody else seems to be. I mean, I'm I'm hyped for it. Obviously, there's. <sighs> There's always that like lowered expectation when a big main event gets canceled, and then obviously you have the the belt snatching going with it, and people is crying about interim titles. But frankly, I'm gonna get to watch maybe five rounds of Holloway Pettis, which is an incredibly sexy and appetizing style matchup. I'm all about it. Who you got? At this point in time, favoring Holloway, I think um, he's someone that has always gotten better as fights have gone on, and that's in like three rounders. He 
throws way more than Pettis and I think can force him to defensive. And also, even though Pettis can shoot those sniper-like counters in there and then lock up a submission right after, watching some of Holloway's fights, it really impresses me how when he gets off and starts going forward, even when guys try to counter him and cut him off, even if he gets hit, He's able to dodge the next punch. I saw this a lot in the Lamas fight. He'd come forward. He'd land a shot or two. Lamas would sneak like a right in. And even if that right landed, Holloway would be able to roll with it enough, slip the next punch, and then just keep going with his combo like nothing happened. So when I see all those little parts together, I got to favor Holloway. But, I, I mean, I do think there's a tendency to forget how good Anthony Pettis is offensively, and it wouldn't shock me if he you know, hit him with one shot and guillotined him. But I, I'm definitely favoring Holloway on points at this point in time. Yeah, I think I think I do too. Uh, just, I just kind of kind of stalled. Uh, obviously, he beat Alvarez. I thought, but like you know, you look at him, you could tell he wasn't trying. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like fat. How are you fat when you're the lightweight champ? <laughs> hey man, yeah. everyone's got a different body type. How dare you? He didn't before. That's what I mean. Like. Just showed up. It's like, oh, you got rolled. All right. <laughs> Anything else apart from uh, auditioning to be a bodybuilding judge? Apparently. Yeah, I, I wish uh, that would be the funniest. Those dudes look so freaky. Um, I feel like you would like that. Not even on some pause stuff. Like, I feel like you would enjoy. It. <laughs> well, I mean, in, uh, I, I, okay, bodybuilding doesn't like fascinating but if right now someone came in and was like hey man i got i got some tickets like this bodybuilding thing i'd be like check that out i wouldn't be into it like on a super local local level but you know you're getting into like some arnold's mr olympia or even like the level below that getting into real freak status my testicles don't actually work anymore yeah i'd be hip to that I, like, I mean, it goes back yeah, to something I said time, time again I, I like seeing competition i like seeing people just trying to be the best at something yeah, I had a, in high school, I had a kid that was in, got into bodybuilding, and like I remember one year, he just showed up and looked like a, uh, a square. It was crazy. Um, anyway, yeah, well, let's talk about Cerrone. Like, he's a great man, uh, very trustworthy, good individual. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, what do you think about him and uh, what he's doing? <laughs> and I'm out. Peace. Appreciate the call, Vaughn. Don Cerrone, I mean... I just, had, a, I just had a flashback to that Haritonoff call that we were talking about off the air. <laughs> we, could, we could actually talk about that in a second. Um, Donald Cerrone and Dana White, Eve, apparently they're going to have dinner tonight, if, uh, if you believe Donald Cerrone. He's, uh, he's out doing the media rounds today in Toronto saying that he's dining, dining with Dana tonight and they're going to hash out everything surrounding the, the MMA Athletes Association and Donald Cerrone's comments and the like. True or false, Donald Cerrone is not part of the association next Wednesday at this time. Well, he is the one dude that isn't rep by CAA. He is rep by Kevin Harvick's uh, brand, and it, it would not – it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, if, if we had to do odds on, like, who's going to fall off this thing in terms of, like, the, the launch members, I mean, Cerrone's got to be the foremost for that reason alone. And do the odds uh, swing if Dana doesn't pick up the tab? <laughs> I mean, I got to imagine that Dana's going to pick up the tab. Actually, you know, speaking of picking up tabs, can I? (laughs) 
People think it's like a joke when like Cerrone talks about being broke and like being terrible with money. This is a different kind of being terrible with money. Uh, true story. Before um, it was a UFC in Jersey. I can't remember which one. Um, Jones Shogun. Jones Shogun. I believe is what it was. Um, we're at the W Hotel Bar. We went to the I, well. I went to the W Hotel Bar because we weren't staying there, but I didn't have anywhere else to go because Greg flew in four or five hours later than me and didn't put my name on the hotel room. I, I so. cannot believe that happened. <laughs> so I went. So I went to the W Hotel and met some homies. Um, I, Greg eventually shows up. Um, I go up to the bar to buy a round. Now, granted, we're at the W Hotel Bar. I expect it to be a bit more expensive. I, I think I grab a beer. It's like me, Greg, Sean Shelby, Cerrone, and like someone else. So I'll grab like five drinks or whatever. I'm doing the order and I take out my wallet. I'm, you know, I'm trying, trying to be the homie. I'm not making this kind of loop, but just trying to show up for the homies. Cerrone, big shots, it leans on the bar, goes, nah, man, I got this. And I was like, you sure? And he's like, yeah, man, I just got a $70,000 bonus or whatever the bonus was at the time. I think he said $70,000. He's like, I just got a $70,000 bonus. I was like, all right, big shot. It's all you. So like Cerrone like squares up and <laughs> the bartender puts all the drinks down. They're like, yeah, that's like $82. And Cerrone just like looks at me and goes, fuck that. You got this man. And just walks away. <laughs> like it's all good. <laughs> I work for SureDog.com. <laughs> like he's talking about like getting a bonus that's bigger than like an annual salary I've ever pulled in my entire life. It's like, bro, I got this. And they're like, eh, it's like 80 bucks. And he's just like, <laughs> Peace, dude. It's like, oh, thanks, thanks, Donald. It's more than an Xbox game, man. Uh, you know, MMA, MMA's got a lot of uh, originals in the sport. I was talking about Don Fry right off the bat. Don Cerrone, really, uh, a true MMA original. I, I completely, completely agree. Was that was that the dramatic pause for this? Oh, oh, Ken Shamrock. Yeah. <laughs> Pause this for one sec. One sec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are we gonna? Are we gonna G and a G this? Oh my God. No. What I was going to say is, um, TJ, can we meditate for a second on the fact that, as you listen to this and think like, oh man, this is Ken Shamrock's. Tito Ortiz is, is a punk. Tito Ortiz yeah. is a punk. I want you to consider two things here. One. This was not the worst song used on this card. And two, this was not the worst song that someone entered to for this fight. Ken uh, Shamrock walked out to this at USC 40, which means that as shitty as this song is, and as much as this lead singer kind of sounds like Fred Durst at times, Tito still came in to break stuff. And I believe Tito is probably the only person on the entire card that got to pick what he walked to. Because these were the Black Flood Diesel American Head Charge days. Yes. Oh, absolutely. it's on Ultimate Beatdowns? All right. You get one of 14 songs, and you can't pick the first one because we open up the pay-per-view with Face of Pain. So, um, it, I, I wonder if Matthews came out to American Badass for this, too. Is, or is this before he switched over? Uh, or, or before he switched over. Uh, like, does, Carl, does Carlos Newton come out to Bootylicious on this card? Or does he come out to the Dragon Ball Z theme or anything? I don't know. Gonna have to go back. No, I think they all come out to Black Flood Diesel or whatever on their record. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, Tito, oh, do you? I, I, and I know I brought this up before, and then we'll we'll, we'll listen to a little uh, Reveille. Um, 
Tito's entrance here, like, do you remember back when people would talk about like the, the best entrances in MMA history and people would actually bring this up? Yeah, because there was fire and lasers. And he bounced around on the ramp for an hour. And he had two flags. Well, one flag with two sides. So he had Rico. That didn't make Rico any better. No, but Rico didn't have blonde hair. Get out of here. Why is Disney playing It's a Small World Come after all? This season. Oh, God, I don't know. I, I, was, I thought someone actually like physically invaded your space. No, right, like I can't get this to shut yeah. off. At the all right, all right hang on. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. I can't. I can't get rid of the Reveille lyrics. Stop it, T-Mobile. Jesus. <laughs> anyway. All right, we're good now. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's pay DAPT it to Ken Shamrock with some terrible new metal here. What you got coming, TJ? All right. So I want to I want to read the lyrics and then let them play it. All right. Perfect. You ready? Yeah. So it starts, what you got, what you got, what you got. And you'll hear it now. You better buck, buck, buckle up, prepare for this impact. Car crash, whiplash, bam, snap your neck back in half. Why can't I be realistic? Give them what they want. Make the biddies go ballistic. Sadistic mother effers playing complicated. Well, never underestimate the underestimated, opinionated, testosterone's elevated. Oh, the testosterone part wasn't there. Uh, stick to my guns, and I think you're going to get just what you got coming. You ready for the hook? Because this is where the storyline for Tito Ortiz and Ken Shamrock is, is, is built in. I'm I'm ready to get beaten to a living death here. That's the penalty. That's the penalty. Payback's a bitch, so you best keep running. That's the penalty. That's the penalty. It's what you, what got, you got. What, what you, you got, got. What you got, got. coming. Someone at Zufa headquarters were like, yes. That's Man. the song. They're just drinking, like, Pepsi Blue and uh, rocking Reveille in the car. And they were like, can't you see Ken Shamrock making the walk to this with the lasers? God, those green lasers and the smoke. I love this. I, mean, I love this lyric. And get the kids out the room because I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be un, uncensored. You ready? Yes. Yo, can I ask you something? What the fuck is up, man? You got nothing. It's just a fairy tale you stuck in. I'm sucking from that seven on seven, pumping and roughing up all these fakes that be bluffing. What? The dudes in Reveille do seem like the kind of dudes that would drink seven and seven. That's what you got coming. <laughs> Actually, I mean, seven and seven and seven is not the worst drink in the world. I'd take it if it was in front of me. I'd, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather just drink shots of Jameson. Dude, but... That's like an AIM conversation from like 2004. <laughs> Yo, can I ask you something? What the fuck is up, man? You got nothing. It's just a ASL? fairy tale you stuck in. BRB, pizza's here. Or maybe or maybe that's just your away message. Remember away messages? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I thought of, you know, I, we spent two seconds talking about AOL and some messenger, and obviously we're doing an MMA show. I just, I just thought of 
Jeff Osborne still using hook and shoot at AOL.com. Fight Iowa. <laughs> Man, that's that is one thing you can say about um the kind of OG people who are in MMA is they they do keep that 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 same email address. You know what I learned recently? I don't know if I told you this or said this on air. Huh. Um Okay, since it's been the same since the dawn of time, are you aware of what Dave Meltzer's email address is? Yes. Yep. A old hsmeltzer at juno.com, which is funny on two levels. One, you're like, what is HS? And two, wow, Juno. Remember Juno? Ha, ha, ha. Now, this would be, I think, funny in any context. I love it's me funny. some Ellen Page, by the way. <laughs> this is funnier because it's Dave Meltzer. This is not just the pro wrestling journalist. Like I said in the past, Frank DeFord, arguably the greatest sports journalist ever in his own right, said that Dave Meltzer was the best journalist alive, not even the best sports journalist, and this was in the early 90s. Dave Meltzer has the hsmeltzer at juno.com email because it's his dad's, and his dad set it up for him like 15, 20 years ago. Oh, wow. That's great. Can you think about That's great, but how crazy is that, dude? Well, I mean, I, is there even a juno.com? There's I'm, no hotmail.com anymore. Oh, but I still have friends that I send emails to on Hotmail who respond. So is it some kind of like weird forwarding thing? I don't know. Because, well, Hotmail got bought up by like MSN and stuff like that. And then so I assume it's like owned by some other conglomerate and they just have like servers you can log yeah, in. Yeah, no, I think if I think it's MSN because you remember MSN Messenger. Oh, yeah. Uh, like if you had hey, a Hotmail I account. I remember when MSN Messenger replaced ICQ in my uh -oh. social. Uh oh. User is online. Um, yeah, I just, man, the internet. I just, what a crazy place. Speaking of crazy things, um, one last thing before we wrap up since it just hit my inbox. Urgent news. Statement from outside counsel for the Mixed Martial Arts Association of Athletes. Marty, over this. Below is a statement from attorneys Jim Quinn and Eric Hochstad. Outside counsel for the Mixed Martial Arts Association. Hey, I'm not taking sides either way, Breen, but but do you know what I mean when I say I'm already over this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I'd like to point out that the, the press release calls it at the top, the Mixed Martial Arts Association, so the Mixed Martial Arts Athletes Association. Proofread. Well, I mean, MMAAA is something that I needed when I was 19 because I needed to be in recovery because uh, I had a problem with MMA. You get it? Yes, right. Thank you. Uh, but uh, I've gotten a little bit better about the habit lately. I don't. I don't. I hate saying MMAAA. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds terrible to say, which is part of the problem. Nonetheless, as George St. Pierre, Don Cerrone, T.J. Dillashaw, Tim Kennedy, and Kane Velasquez made clear in their official public announcement last week, the Mixed Martial Arts Athlete Association is all about looking out for the fighters and their well-being long-term. Yesterday, the MMAAAAAAA received a cease and desist letter from a group of lawyers seeking to stop the MAAA from signing up fighters and sticking up for their rights against the UFC and its owners, WMEIMG. The MMAAA will do no such thing. Those lawyers, who represent only a few fighters, are focused on getting some money out of one case of which they seek a significant portion for themselves. Those lawyers do not speak for anyone else and certainly not the MMAAA and all the fighters and the, all, and all the fighters the organization represents now and will quickly grow to represent the sport. Over a year ago, these same lawyers reached out to the MMAAA to join forces with us. We had a meeting and made clear that our primary focus would be on achieving three core goals. One, substantially increasing UFC fighter pay to 50%. 
two, securing an all-encompassing long-term benefits for UFC fighters, and three, a settlement to compensate past and current UFC fighters for all UFC's wrongs. To achieve these goals for the benefit of the fighters, we also made clear that the MMAAA needed to receive a percentage of monetary settlement to cover the costs for staffing and attorneys for both past work getting to this point and the long fight ahead. The lawyers made clear they did not share the MMAAA's vision. They are focused on a short-term monetary recovery, of which they will seek 33%, and they are gone from the sport. We parted ways at this point. The MMAAA is all about the fighters benefiting when the USC is finally forced to take a powerful group of the fighters seriously. The MMAAA will be executing on that plan and will not be stopped in this effort on behalf of fighters. The lawyers are already out, baby. People are already trying to get a piece. Well, I, I'm over it. Well, I guess I'm over it too. That just leaves one less thing to do. TJ Santos, hit that funky sound. Time to see what's inside Jordan Breen's bank bank. Well, I guess there's only one last thing to do if you're mad and you're over something. It's break stuff. I made you listen oh, to Kenshin. Three at UC40. I'm just going to throw up that Tito entrance. Y'all, y'all can have a laugh. Watch Tito bounce around for an hour while Fred Durst screams, give me something to break. MMA trivia. You ready, Breen? You ready for some MMA trivia? Oh, what fight did Tito get a bit too bouncy in in the cage and he stepped on Rico Rodriguez's foot, causing him to roll his ankle, which forced him to go the distance with an opponent many people thought he would smash easily? Oh, uh, is that Patrick Cote? Yes! The War of 04. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Great job. Um, or Patrick Cote, depending on... Uh, <laughs> your, boy, your boy Pat Coates. Yeah. All right, as I said, time for me to get out of here. As always, love letters, credit card numbers, mail bombs. They go to jbreen at shirt.com, shorter and sweeter, at Jordan Breen on Twitter. TJ Sands, what's up in the coming days? Oh, man. Loaded Beatdown coming your way tomorrow on the Sure Dog Radio Network. I chat with Shannon Knapp, John Anik, um, who else? Marlon Marais, and uh, your favorite uh, fighter of all time. Well, not one of them. Or, well, not really your favorite fighter, but one of them. Uh, Jake Shields. Talking about this December 31st uh, card. He might be my fave. I mean, he should be. (laughs) Also, don't forget Roundtable coming up on Friday. Tape tonight and all that jazz. We'll be a part of that. Exciting times ahead to get you ready for UFC 206. Oh, snap. There's a Roundtable. Well, snap. There's a Roundtable. I mean, just just because there's no Dan Cormier, Anthony Johnson doesn't mean we can't do a table. I would certainly hope so, since there still is technically an interim title fight on the bill that kicks ass. So look up for the roundtable coming in future days as well. And failing all that, maybe just kick your feet up, and I'll get you covered next Wednesday right back here on the Jordan Breen Show on the Sherdog Radio Network. Peace. The preceding show is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of the Sherdog Radio Network. Its content is intended for private use only. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.